0: The RBA is set to hold interest rates again tomorrow and India's economy has its big moment on the global stage later this week when it hosts the G20 meeting. It's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And in our bonus deep dive interview, we find out more about India's growth, in particular what rapidly growing EV production means for metals demand
1: globally. The switch, we think, which you know is starting to occur now, is really going to catapult India to be one of the biggest copper consumers in the world.
0: But first in five and five with ANZ. Number one, the RBA is expected to hold its cash rate at 4.1% tomorrow afternoon Australian time. ANZ's head of Australian economics, Adam Boyton, sees a hawkish hold and says to keep an eye on the key line in the RBA statement from last month. He doesn't expect much change. That line goes, quote, some further tightening of monetary policy may be required to ensure that inflation returns to target in a reasonable time frame, but that will depend on the data and the evolving assessment of risks. So that's what a hawkish hole looks like. We'll keep an eye out tomorrow afternoon. Number two, iron ore prices in China rose late on Friday to a five-month high. As a series of interventions to support China's housing market boosted demand and sentiment there. Oil prices also rose to a seven-month high over the weekend on expectations Saudi Arabia will extend a production cut. A lot of talk about China's economy and demand for commodities is pretty downbeat right now, but ANZ senior commodity strategist Daniel Hines sees some pockets of strength for some metals, with signs of falling inventories.
1: And certainly for zinc, you know, it's it's a it's a metal which is heavily linked to to infrastructure and outside of the property market we are seeing some growth there but it also gets caught up in uh, the renewable energy sector as well it's certainly one which goes a little bit unnoticed like some other non-core metals but it still is a pretty important part for the infrastructure build out of this, uh, this new energy sector. So it just highlights, I suppose, that um, even even with you know subdued growth um, in China, we can still get some pretty good uh, demand for, for commodities.
0: Number three, non-farm payrolls data out on Friday night showed growth of 187,000 jobs in the US economy. Now, that was a bit above the 170,000 consensus, but also showed higher unemployment and modest wage growth. Is ANZ's head of G3 economics, Brian Martin. There is evidence building now that the labour market really is starting to ease in the United States. We saw the participation rate rise by 0.2 of a percentage point to 62.8, which is the highest level that it has uh, been in this recovery. So that's good news in terms of an increase of supply of workers, which over time should help to ease inflation pressures. Number four. U.S. manufacturing data in the August ISM index showed the 10th month in a row under 50, which means the sector is contracting. But it was the strongest result since February. Here's Brian again. Some of the subcategories within the report uh, were really quite encouraging. Production rose back to 50. Employment recovered. The backlog of orders picked up. those things should be signalling that maybe we are bottoming in terms of the downturn that we've had in manufacturing over the past 12 months. Number five, China's authorities have moved again to support the renminbi. This time, it cut its so-called FXRRR rate, the reserve requirement ratio, which requires banks to hold a certain percentage of foreign exchange deposits in reserve. The People's Bank of China said late on Friday this ratio had been cut to 4% from 6%, which encourages local banks to sell US dollars and other currencies and buy renminbi, therefore supporting it. The renminbi, or the CNH, strengthened from 7.3 yuan to the dollar to 7.26 by the end of the week. Now it's time for our deep dive into what's happening in India's economy, and in particular, huge demand for EVs and how that's electrifying the global metals market. I spoke to ANZ senior commodities strategist Daniel Hines. It is one of
1: the world's biggest auto
0: markets in the in
1: the world, just behind the US and China, um, and essentially on par with uh, Japan at the moment. But they're they're really pushing, like a lot of countries, for for the EV market now. It has been relatively small and limited to you know sectors like uh, the scooters in particular, but um, they're now really pushing hard, you know, to reduce. Not only um, their demand on fossil fuels, but obviously their air quality as well, which is a big issue in China. Now, the switch we think, which you know is starting to occur now, is really going to catapult India to be one of the biggest copper consumers in the world. You know, in fact, we we forecast it will uh, move into second position essentially um, over the next uh, few years, um, which uh, might surprise um, a lot of people and. There's potential upside if they hit their targets for electric vehicles because the the amount of uh, copper that goes into um, an EV compared to a conventional car is is astronomically higher in the time in in the sort of order of six to seven times as much copper into an EV as into an internal combustion engine. So it is uh, you know a game changer, and I think if they can hit those targets, which which will be tough but certainly achievable, then. You know, we're going to see some really strong growth in in demand for for copper and and the broader sort of critical minerals sector um, over the next uh, few years.
0: You've uh, put together an amazing chart showing the copper intensity, the number of kilograms per vehicle, for conventional cars, hybrid EVs, battery EVs, and battery electric buses. You've made the point that uh, electrification of transport systems, uh, particularly in these high population, dense urban locations, will involve a lot of electric buses. Tell us about the copper demands for electric buses.
1: Yeah, and this is particularly important for India as well. Um, They do have, obviously, a difficult infrastructure set up and it does lend itself more to, to putting buses uh, on the road rather than expanding their rail network, for example. And so, you know, they're, they're looking to to really electrify their buses. They've just implemented uh, a new policy to bring in essentially EV buses uh, across their entire um, fleet. And the magnitude of demand for copper um, is astronomical. I mean, for a conventional car, as we were talking about before, about nine kilograms in one of those, a battery EV car about eighty kilograms, but an electric bus, three hundred and sixty-nine kilograms. So you could imagine, you know, the 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 increase in in demand you would see just from, from that if we do start to see a, a strong build out of the public fleet of of electric buses. So uh, you know that that presents a a challenge uh, as well as an opportunity. Um, you know, certainly the market, uh, the copper market, has been struggling to. To really grow. So producers are really going to have to dig deep um, and, and find uh, new world-class um, operations to really fuel this uh, growth in demand.
0: Daniel Hines there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was Five and Five with ANZ for Monday, September the 4th. Catch you tomorrow for a full preview of the RBA's decision. This podcast was recorded for publication on behalf of ANZ. All associated disclosures and disclaimers can be viewed using the link in your media player or the ANZ website through which you access this podcast. All care has been taken to report the views of ANZ research in the creation of this podcast, but as an independent host, any differing interpretations are strictly mine and not ANZs. Feel free to contact your ANZ point of contact with any questions.